तस्मै तग्वंहदेवत्मबुद्धि प्रकाशम मुमुक्षुर्वै शरणमहम प्रपद्ये Dear devotees, we'll have a few minutes of Nam Sankirtan. So let's do Rup Dhyan. while we chant radhe govind radhe radhe govinda radhe 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 govinda radhe radhe राधे गोविंदा राधे 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 गोविंदा राधे गोविंदा राधे 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 गोविंदा राधे राधे गोविंदा राधे राधे गोविंदा राधे राधे 
राधे गोविंदा last two nights i've been discussing with you the 26 character virtues described by shri krishna in the 16th chapter of the gita of course we could make the list much longer but he's just named these 26 here if you named all the virtues a person could have in their character it could be many times 26 but he's chosen these 26 so this is what we're focusing on in this camp on the first day i explained to you that sattva sanshuddhi means maintaining sattva gun in the mind so this is a very general statement because sattva gun includes all the good virtues the second one was gyan yoga vyavasthiti keeping spiritual knowledge in the mind all the time it means we have to keep reviewing it by reading the right books to understand tattva gyan such as prem ras siddhant by shri kripalu ji maharaj or by listening to speeches of someone like jagadguru shri kripalu ji maharaj who can explain to us the essence of our scriptures and then not only hearing it or reading it but reviewing it again and again in our mind doing manan of that knowledge and then because we've done so much manan of it it becomes more likely that we're going to practically apply that knowledge when it is needed 
On that first day, we also discussed three more virtues. Tej, Dhriti. Tej, meaning having a bright, energetic quality to the personality. Dhriti, meaning being determined, being patient when you have a goal in mind, whether it's a spiritual goal or a material goal to accomplish that, we have to just keep pushing ahead in a calm way, no matter what obstacles we meet or what fears we have to deal with. And that was the fifth guna that we looked at, the daivi guna. Abhayam, being fearless. In Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrit Sindhu, he actually names nine landmarks that a devotee may see as if they're following the path of Raganuga Bhakti. As their heart purifies, they see nine things develop in their personality. So one of those is Asha Bandha, which means a confidence that Krishna is mine. Radha is mine, so they are going to come to me. I will meet them. They care for me. They are with me all the time. So what do I have to fear? What do I have to worry about? This guna starts to rise in the heart and mind of a person as the mind purifies through doing devotion. So Shri Krishna has mentioned it here as well. Being fearless is a good quality of the mind. Last night, we looked at seven more gunas. Yagya, which in this case means worshipfulness towards God. In any form it may take, any form of worship, but that feeling of he is greater than me. That's what he's indicating here. Shauch was another one, meaning cleanliness, tidiness, neatness. This mind, man, it will get away with whatever it can. We have man and buddhi. Man means the in emotional part of our, or the emotional facet of our mind, and buddhi means the intellectual facet of the mind. So buddhi gains the knowledge, understands, makes decisions, and man gets the impulses, the feelings. We are meant to direct the man or control the man with the buddhi. <clears throat> if we don't do that, then we're more like young children who you see, a young child doesn't have impulse control, right? They learn that when they get older. That's why you, you don't scold a child, a, a two-year-old, for yelling. <laughs> they don't know any better. That's what they do. When they get older, they get the power to control those impulses. The more we exercise the power of our buddhi, the power of our intellect, to control our man the more the man will behave itself. And the more we let the man have its way, the more balwan it becomes. It grows more and more powerful. Oh, you let me get away with this? Okay, just like a child again. <laughs> Next time I'll try this. This was advice given to us by Jagadguru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj. He says, the more you control your man using your buddhi, the more soft that man becomes. And the more you let man have its way, oh, I feel like doing this, I feel like doing that, regardless of whether it's the right thing for you or not, the more you let your man have your way, the more strong it becomes and the more difficult it becomes to control it. So that's why even a simple thing like shaucham, is important on the devotional path because it's another way of instituting that discipline over the man. No man, you can't just throw your dirty clothes on the floor. I know you're lazy by nature, what you're saying to your man. That's your nature. You like to do whatever you want, whenever you want. But no, you put it in the proper place. You clean your dishes right away, 
No, don't leave them sitting in the sink. Whatever it may be, this discipline you all institute to keep your houses clean or your room clean or your apartment clean, it's part of controlling the man and that helps with devotion. Because every little bit that our intellect controls our mind makes the meaning man makes the man more obedient. In addition to shout, we talked about ahinsa, that ahinsa is not just avoiding physical confrontation. This, in this case, nonviolence means internally not wishing harm on another, not wishing to hurt another, but that being said, you still may have to use physical force in certain situations. Mardavam was another one, gentleness, softness of the heart. Satyam was another one, which we understood, although it means truthfulness. It doesn't mean absolute truthfulness in every situation. <laughs> you have to apply it properly in your life. Arjavam, meaning straightforwardness, simple-heartedness, not being uh, cunning and crafty in our dealings with others. We can use our intelligence to avoid being deceived by others, but we should not use our intelligence to manipulate and deceive other people. And finally, apaishunam, which means non or the absence of gossip and the absence of drama in one's behavior. Not talking behind other people's backs, unless you're saying something good, then that's fine. Not criticizing others. If you have a problem, talk to that person directly. Not sensationalizing situations in order to inflame things further. This is apaishunam. And as I told you, Jagadguru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj took it a step further, saying that Never mind the outward behavior, we shouldn't even waste our time thinking about another person's faults. We can look into our own faults, try to uh, observe what faults we do have, try to control those faults in our behavior. And instead of focusing on others' faults, we can focus on their good qualities. And that will develop a more positive habit in the mind which could gradually start to replace the negative habit we have of almost constantly when we look towards another person, at least a grown person, we're more forgiving with children, but when we look towards another adult, we're very critical most of the time. We see their faults much more than their virtues. So we need to reverse that. Tonight, we'll look at a few more of these daivi gunas. <clears throat> There's another shlok. We're looking at the first three shlokas of this 16th chapter. So Shri Krishna says, Teja chamadhriti shaucha madroho nati manita and dayabhuteshva loluptvam mardavam hrirachapalam. This includes some of the virtues that we'll look at tonight. Daya. Dayabhuteshu. Bhuteshu means all the living beings. And daya means compassion, mercy. Not just a feeling of compassion or a feeling of mercy, but one that moves us to action. Sri Krishna says this is a good quality. A good person imbibes that quality or develops that quality of compassion. Sometimes people ask, you know, oh, in Christianity, because we're inundated with things about Christianity living in America... So naturally, people wonder, you know, we have the Ten Commandments in Christianity. What do we have in Hinduism that's similar to that? Well, as you're seeing, 
you know, in our scriptures, actually, there are many different places where there are do's and don'ts listed and virtues and faults listed, like we're studying here in the Gita. But a lot of the time, it focuses more on the internal state, meaning it's not just do this or don't do that. It's about what's going on on the inside. So develop the general virtue of compassion, of daya. This is simple to understand. After daya, there are a few more qualities, like one big one, akrodh. Krodh means gussa, anger. Akrodh, absence of anger. We could probably, many of you would like that, oh, let's just spend the whole week on this. Because this is one of, probably one of the two or three things that people ask me the most. That and how do I control the mind when I'm meditating? Second one would be, how do I reduce my anger? How do I control my anger? Well, there are two sides to it, like I explained on the first day. There's the learning to control it, and then there's the dealing with the root of the problem. So dealing with the root of the problem means our heart needs to be purified by doing bhakti. Our heart can be purified by doing rup dhyan on God. Then from inside, the anger goes down. That's why when Rupa Goswami was describing these nine characteristics of bhav bhakti, when you're reaching a higher level of bhakti, one he said was chanti. Not shanti, chanti. It includes both shanti and akrod, you can say. Shanti is the next quality we're looking at here after akrod. What it means is that from inside your anger is reducing. So, See the two sides? Learning to control it when you feel angry, learning not to let it you know, express itself outwardly. And then the other side of that is getting to the point where you don't feel it at all or that feeling reduces. Not feeling it at all comes after God-realization. As a devotee, you begin reducing it. So the reducing part happens if you do proper bhakti. But in the meantime, along our path, however long it may take us to reach God, we live our life surrounded by all kinds of people that we have to interact with and live with, and we get all kinds of reactions. So we're going to feel angry. Up until God-realization, the anger will be sitting there within us. See, right now, someone could say, no, what do you mean? There's no anger in any of these people sitting here. Look at their faces. <laughs> but it's waiting for its chance, just under the surface, right? If someone's cell phone rings, then all of a sudden, <clears throat> or someone sits down right beside you and bumps you like that, <laughs> gives you an elbow, then the anger immediately shows its face. It means it's there, it just didn't have the right environment to bring it out. So since we have that anger waiting there, we do have to learn how to control it. Kripaluji Maharaj says, Usko dabana sikho. Just like, you know, fire is potentially damaging to your body, right? So if you're out around the campfire that we're going to have tomorrow night, and some spark comes on your clothes, and a little flame starts, immediately you will put it out like that. Because you know if it spreads, it will cover your whole body and you'll be in big trouble. So you put it out right in the beginning. In other words, right as soon as the anger comes, usko dabao. Put it out right away. That's what he says to do. But how do you do it? Well, he's given us some practical things we can apply. First of all, when we get angry, normally it's because we feel justified in being angry. We know that anger, you know, in general, it's an unwanted thing. But in this case, this person has done something so offensive. 
For again and again, they keep doing the same thing. So we just feel justified. that I know anger is wrong, but, you know, this person deserves it. But the truth is, the anger is not hurting that person. The anger is hurting us because the anger is burning in our heart. And for as long as that anger is there, from the time we allowed it to overcome us, Radha Krishna are gone. Right? We The goal is to remember God all the time. That's karma yoga. You're actively involved in the world, but remembering God. So when anger has come, you've banished God from your heart and you've allowed anger to enter. So there's one thing to consider. Now who's being harmed? We've called anger into our heart or allowed it to take over and now we're burning in that fire of anger and truly we suffer. And you realize once you calm down that your whole system is disturbed now. You're on edge. You feel like you got an adrenaline rush. And that feeling may stay with you for hours or even days just from being angry one time. It takes our mind some time to recover. Now, for an ordinary person, they can even realize that much. And then for someone who is doing devotion to God, then they can also understand how much it disturbs their own devotion. When you're doing devotion, gradually your bhao builds, it accumulates. The more you remember Radha Krishna, the more the feeling of connection to them increases and the more that feeling of confidence and happiness increases. And then when we feel angry, all of that is finished. It's just cut. And then to get back to that feeling that we had before, it takes time. So if we realize that, okay, this person may deserve it. I may be justified in being angry here, but is it worth the price? Am I willing to pay that price that I'm going to pay if I allow myself to get angry? The other thing, you know, you keep that knowledge in your mind, then keep one more thing in your mind. Radha Krishna are also in that person that we're so angry at. If you visualize that, if you see that and remember it, all of a sudden the anger dissolves. Or if that doesn't work for you, try another tact. Shri Krishna is right here with you. Remember I said yesterday, how would we modify our behavior if we could physically see God beside us when we're talking to another person? It would change the way we speak to each other. It would change everything we do. And yet the fact is he is always beside us. But because we can't see him, so we forget that fact. So we think, okay, I'm about to become very angry, but if Sri Krishna suddenly appeared beside you, oh, you'd become all of a sudden very well behaved. The anger is still there, but now there's no way it's coming out. Just like two kids who are fighting and if their father is a little bit uh, strict with them and he enters the room, oh, all of a sudden the fight stops. Same thing like that. If we remember God is right here, anger is finished. It's that we don't remember that or we refuse to remember that. We, we again think, he may be here, I don't care. I'm going to get angry at this person. I am that justified in getting angry in this case. So it's up to us. It's again going back to that point I made the first day that you take that knowledge at the time it's needed. When you're about to get angry, that's when you need your spiritual knowledge. That's when you desperately need that protection of your spiritual knowledge. So if you forget it at that time, then it was of no use. It's something you're carrying around in your mind, but you never applied it when it, when it was actually needed. Along with akrodh, shanti, Sri Krishna says. Shanti you can take to mean calmness, even if something good happens to you or something bad happens to you. 
When something good happens, normally we become very excited. And that excitement has a peak. And eventually when something bad happens to us, because it always does, that's the world. The good follows the bad, follows the good, follows the bad. It's just the nature of the world. So if we get very excited when something good happens, then we'll become equally depressed when something bad happens. If we have spiritual knowledge, then we remain the same in both situations, more or less. Again, we're not God-realized saints, that's the goal, but we can strive to be more like that. Same thing if someone insults us or offends us, to remain calm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ji says, One should be a devotee of God, should strive to be as forbearing as a tree. Forbearing means to be able to bear difficulties or even insults or offenses. Let's say there is a boss and a servant. And the boss is always scolding the servant and insulting him. And the servant just goes about his work. If the servant were to say even one of the things back to his boss that the boss says to the servant, the boss would fly off the handle probably. Oh, you're fired. He may even slap him. Get out. Become so angry. And the servant is bearing this abuse all day every day from his boss. Who has greater spiritual power? The one with the ability to bear. The boss doesn't even have the ability to bear to bear one single insult. Tarorapi Sahishnuna. Kripaluji Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji says that this is an important, a very important virtue that has to be developed in a devotee's character. Because we all receive what we think are insults. We perceive that people have offended against us, and that's natural. We have to learn to bear it. Trinadapi Sunichena. Mahaprabhuji says, one should, one meaning a devotee of God, should feel themselves to be more small or low Then a blade of grass. The grass is always getting stepped on, right? So just like the tree which gets its fruit plundered and everybody makes use of whatever it wants from that tree and the tree doesn't grumble, it gives shade and fruit to all equally. Similar, the grass doesn't grumble when you step on it. This is also counter to American culture. Western culture, all of this. And and this doesn't mean, I, I've said this several times, that this doesn't mean you can't stand up for yourself when you need to. But, you know, 99% of the time, it's not necessary to point out another's fault or let, it, let another person know that I don't like this thing when you do that. 99% of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, we could live with it. We could just forgive them without saying anything. We could just bear it. So really we shouldn't start thinking this excuse in our mind, oh, Bhaya doesn't understand what it's like to live in the real world, talking about all this humbleness and forgiveness. Yeah, it's true. Every once in a while you do have to stand up for yourself or stand your ground or the boss may have to scold his servant every once in a while. But 99% of the time, we can live this way, actually, practically, and it would improve our lives. Regarding this feeling of humbleness, feeling oneself small, and, well, again, Kripaluji Maharaj says, what thing do we have to be so proud about that we don't feel ourselves to be humble? In other words, when we feel insulted that someone has wronged us, someone has not given us proper respect, why do we feel they owe us that respect? Hamara insult ho gaya hai. 
अच्छा आप कौन है कि आपका इंसल्ट हो गया है सुंदरता में कामदेव हैं आप धन में कुबेर हैं आप ऐश्वर्य में इंद्र हैं आप नहीं तो तो फिर क्या whatever meaning we're not we don't have anything in supreme amount the most beautiful is called kamdev the god of love the most wealthy is called kuber the god of wealth the most powerful is indra the king of the devtas so if someone were to call indra weak if someone were to call kuber poor if someone were to call kamdev ugly then they could say okay i've been insulted but when some if someone insults us what will they say they'll insult our character right mainly oh you're very angry you're very jealous you're this you're that so what virtue or non virtue what fault out of all of these would we not be the owner of we have all the faults as long as we're under maya we have all the faults it's not that oh i have just some anger problem but i don't have jealousy i don't have hatred i don't have any uh, no no they it's all a package deal if maya is there all of the warriors of maya are there so we're literally full of all of these faults and yet when someone points one of those out to us i've been insulted our beloved guru dev used to say that if someone points out that a scorpion is crawling on your back do you feel insulted you thank him you say oh thank you for pointing out the danger so if someone says oh you're very angry that's a dangerous thing right well thank you for pointing it out instead what do we say well we become angry <laughs> we prove his point tulsidas ji said nindak niyare rakhiye angan kuti chhavaye nit sabun pani bina ujjwal kare subhaye the one who criticizes you or points out your faults you should invite that person to your home he's talking about the way homes are built in india he says there in your courtyard in your angan build him a nice hut and have him keep him close so anytime he wants to he can come and abuse you and criticize you and point out your faults he says it's great your heart will get cleaned by that you say oh i have this fault okay let me work on that and in terms of forbearance the example is bhagwan buddh one day a man came to him very upset with him and he just stood in front of him starting in the morning and started just shouting all kinds of offenses at him and pointing out all of what he perceived were his faults and he went on and on for hours right through lunchtime into the afternoon and the whole time bhagwan buddh was just sitting and smiling and listening so when the man finally ran out of steam gautam buddh said to someone nearby are bhai isko kuch pilao khilao thak gaya hoga said somebody please bring some food and drink this poor fellow must be exhausted he's been at it all day so the man was surprised he said you're showing me kindness after i've been abusing you all day so he said to him you know when someone gives abuse to another person if that other person who's on the receiving end doesn't take it in other words if you're offering a gift to someone and they don't accept your gift then what you take it back right so he says I haven't been taking in anything internally what you've been telling me so you you can take it all back with you and if you want after eating and drinking a little bit you can start up again that's fine so this is the adarsh this is the ideal obviously but we need such ideals even if they're far above what we can practically live up to right now we can try our best and gradually increase these qualities within ourselves in this whole 
idea of being humble, being... Um, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji adds, Amanina manadena. Same thing Shri Krishna says here in the Gita. One virtue he mentions, Nati manita. Not demanding respect from others. That's what Shri Krishna says. Mahaprabhuji said, not demanding respect, but giving full respect to others. You know, this idea that, uh, don't you know who I am? I am a preacher, I wear yellow. Don't you know how to behave with me? <laughs> he says, this is, this is the wrong, this is not a daivi gun. We should feel ourselves to be the smallest. We don't. Saints truly feel themselves to be the smallest and they are the greatest because they get all of these qualities in unlimited amount after they attain God. Like Kabir Dasji says, Mo samakon Who could be more wretched, more fallen than me? The truth is a saint is beyond all of that, yet the saint truly has these feelings of humbleness. And we who have committed uncountable sins in uncountable past lifetimes, and despite receiving unlimited times this human birth and the opportunity to surrender to God, never once have we surrendered to God. That is our state, and yet we feel, I am deserving of respect. No matter who we are, a devotee, a pracharak, anybody, until God realization, we're all in the same boat. We've all missed this opportunity uncountable millions of times. We've all accumulated, even if we did one sin in every human birth, we've accumulated infinite sins because we've had unlimited lifetimes. So when that's our history, that's our track record, then who are we to demand respect? So we should practice giving respect to others, but not make a demand from our side. As I mentioned, these are high ideals, but the more we practice it, the more we actually do develop them in our personality. Sri Maharaji used to say, every night before sleeping, Think back to the day and think, where did we make mistakes? Where did I become angry? Where did I not give proper respect to another person? Where did I become too demanding, showing my vanity that you should treat me like this? Think about those instances because there always will be some. Think about them, acknowledge them, and then resolve to do better tomorrow. Okay, if I got angry five times today, then tomorrow I'll reduce that number. And then when we get up in the morning, again, we think about, okay, last night I remembered these mistakes I made and I resolved to do better today. So you remember that resolve first thing in the morning, then start your day. He says, even just that practice, if you do that for a month, you'll notice a big improvement. So this complements our Rup Dhyan. It's not just that we can sit and do devotion and think that everything is going to be fine. We also have to try to improve ourselves in the rest of our life. The two go hand in hand because, you know, we, we don't just exist for that one hour that we're doing Rup Dhyan when the rest of the world doesn't matter for us. We also have the other however many 20-so hours of the day, which are just as important, just as impactful on our mind, depending what happens, good or bad. So all of these qualities, nati manita, not demanding that others show us respect, akrod, trying to avoid becoming angry, we can add another one to that. Chama. Chama, forgiveness. See, they, they're all interrelated. Obviously, if we're trying not to get angry, it means we have to forgive the person who's wronged us. 
sometimes we feel like if we're forgiving someone, we're doing them a favor, right? Oh yes, this person has wronged me, so we're thinking to ourselves. So now I'm such a I'm so big, you know, I'm so generous that I'm going to forgive them. But actually we're doing ourselves the favor by forgiving them. Because we're carrying around that grudge. It takes so much energy to do that. We're dumping that baggage. We're saying, I don't need that anymore. It makes no difference to the other person. Nothing has changed inside them by us forgiving them, right? We changed ourselves. So we also benefit by cultivating this chama, this quality of forgiveness. And one more. Adroha. Adroha means lack of animosity. See, they're all interrelated. Sri Krishna is just coming at it from many different angles. Droha means enmity, animosity. So adroha, absence of that enmity. Sometimes someone else may consider us to be their enemy. Doesn't mean we have to consider them to be an enemy. This idea of tit for tat, revenge, retribution, eye for an eye, it only serves to inflame things. If someone has, is treating us with animosity, that's their problem, right? That's going on inside of them. We don't have to reciprocate. We can just choose not to think. We can say, okay, this person is a little troubled. I can see that. But they're not my enemy. You can just feel compassion on them. And again, sure, that day may come, that time may come where you have to stand up to them. But 99% of the time, it's just a case of saying, it's okay, let it be. I'm not going to treat this person as an enemy. Tomorrow we're going, tomorrow's the last day and we'll cover the last few virtues that are left out. I'll give you a preview of one of them. One of them is tap. Tap, generally people take to mean austerities. But in this case, Shri Krishna means the effort we make to be good or to be devotional. And there are three kinds of tap. There's sharirik tap, vachik tap, and mansik tap, meaning the the strain or the effort we do physically to follow dharma or to be devotional, the strain or the effort we put forth verbally, and the strain or effort we put forth mentally. So how that all works, how we can develop this quality, and other good qualities like dawn, being charitable in nature, being generous, and some other related qualities. We'll take all of that up tomorrow. Bolie Vrindavan Bihari Lal Ki We have a little more than 15 minutes before the end of this session, so we'll do some Rup Dhyan. We had a session yesterday morning where we got a chance to discuss the problems and the solutions for doing Rup Dhyan. Today I was talking to someone during dinner and they were bringing up one, one such problem and I passed on some advice which Kripaluji Maharaj used to tell us about in his speeches is that as far as, meaning, he was saying, I, when I see the picture, eventually I get bored of this image in my mind. So I said, okay, sure, then start doing something. So what do you want to do? And one of the options of things you can do is do puja, but in your mind. Many of you probably worship God at home. You may have a murti of Sri Krishna or any other form of God or many forms of God. And there are different ways that we worship God, right? You can bathe the murti, you can apply some scented sandalwood paste, saffron, some offer some scented oils, you can dress them nicely. 
You can offer food, offer flowers, offer incense. You can decorate them with different malas, flower malas, jewels. You can sing to them, sing arti, offer the arti flame to them. We have all these different ways of doing puja, means worshiping God. Many people feel an affinity to this type of worship. But Kripaluji Maharaj always said, if you're too rigid about that, then sometimes physically doing that, it could disturb your devotion. Like, okay, every day I worship Sri Krishna in this way, but today I ran out of Agarbatti. Oh, what do I do? Why didn't you tell me we were out of Agarbatti? So he says, instead of doing that, why not do it in your mind? There's nothing wrong with doing it physically as well. But look at the two. Let's say you're doing it physically, but it's just a mechanical thing you're doing and your mind is kind of wandering here or there. Then that's not purifying your mind. It's a good thing you're doing, but it's not actually purifying your mind because your mind's not attached to God. What if instead of physically doing it, you closed your eyes and made a mental image of Sri Krishna and did all the same seva to him? You worshipped him in the very same way. Then you're not doing anything physically, yet your mind is perfectly attached to him during that time. And it's not just a static image. You can think this is real Krishna. So you're giving Krishna a bath, you're dressing him, decorating him, offering him food, doing all the things you do with your murti, except now you're doing it with real Krishna. This is Rupa Dhyan. Then you have so many options. If you get tired of the necklace he's wearing, take it off. Just make another one in your mind. You want the most beautiful diamond necklace that you could never afford to buy for your murti? Just imagine it better than the Kohinoor diamond and offer that to Sri Krishna. Keep changing his decorations and his dress every minute if you want to. As long as your mind is engaged and you're thinking of him, that's Rup Dhyan. So this is one thing you can do. You can also think of any Leela you know from Bhagavatam or Surdasji's descriptions or Mirabai's descriptions or Kripaluji Maharaj's descriptions. Or if you think of Ram, you can think of any Leela from Ramayan. Think of some Leela happening. Or make your own Leela. Today you've met Sri Krishna. What would you do with him? You can imagine yourself being young again <laughs> and playing with Sri Krishna. This is all Rup Dhyan. It's all part of the method of attaching our mind to Him. So you can engage your mind in whatever way is most natural and appealing for you. And while we're all doing that Rup Dhyan, we'll also do some chanting because the chanting helps to develop the feelings of love and relationship for Krishna. The chanting has its own power, which helps to... Um, increase those feelings in our own heart. Radhe Radhe Govind Govind Radhe
राधे गोविंद गोविंद राधे
सरकार की 